I like the uh, the uh, picture that goes along with the, the title of the message, Where Are Your Table Manners? Well, I do not believe that's the kind of table <laughs> that we're talking about this, this evening. It, it works well. You ever notice when you were a kid, your parents had certain rules uh, about how you ate and how you how you acted and behaved uh, at the dinner table. Does anybody remember anything like that? Uh, that used to be something that happened a lot. It's, it almost seems like there's less and less of that today. I don't know that there really is, uh, but uh, maybe just now I'm older. Uh, I can remember going over to, uh, I, I believe my mom was in the hospital, having my sister, and, and they took me over to, i trying to remember the name of the family's house. I guess I don't want to put it out online because... Um, I still follow their son on Facebook, so he may see this. But uh, they took me over to somebody's house, and I, and I was there at their house um, for dinner. And we, they were a part of our church, and the, one of the major rules in their home was that you don't put your elbows on the dinner table. Now, for somebody who was a, who was a newcomer to the home, they were very good at reminding me not to put my elbows on the, on the dinner table. And the kids were very good at reminding me because they knew what would happen if they didn't have their elbows, if they had theirs. And I, I saw it happen once. It was terrifying. Almost got stabbed. The kid, the kid leaned forward, he put his arm on the table like this, and he was talking, and Dad didn't say anything. Dad didn't, Dad didn't, I'm not saying this is how you should do it. Or, I'm just, I saw this flash of light uh, that was the, the, the glint off of the guy's fork as he slammed it, just barely missing his son's, and the, only because the kid moved. Like, he almost stabbed his kid in the arm with a fork. I'm like, ah! I knew right then and there. Well, I'm sure that kid had gotten it once or twice before because he, he moved like he'd gotten it once or twice before. <laughs> right? it, it was, there are manners that are required, and, and there's, there's certain etiquette that's supposed to be followed as far as how to wear your napkin and what to do and following the rules and so on and so forth. Well, and we talk about that with our, our dinner table. And, and, and that's, that's good. We shouldn't go and it shouldn't just be a, a race to see who can eat the most food or, 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 or you know, we shouldn't eat like pigs. And we should use our utensils and doing all those things. But we're getting, that's just kind of the introduction leading up to the message because we're not talking about our regular dinner table. And that's obvious, right? We're, we're talking about this, this afternoon, the Lord's Supper. Uh, but, but here, what we find here in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 is that Paul, the, the, author, uh, the author of the book, and the, uh, the man who started the church at Corinth is writing back to the church at Corinth and saying, listen, you're, you're, you're making some mistakes. You're, you're messing up in a few, a few areas in this, uh, in this uh, following uh, or taking of the Lord's, the Lord's table, and it needs to stop. He says, I'm not going to praise you with those things because you're not doing well. And it's very important. Listen, as, as, as I, the more and more I think about it, we're, we're practicing communion more and more uh, over the last year, I think more than we had in the previous years, partly because my memory is horrible and I would always forget what day of the month or what the fifth Sunday of the month. And, and so we do it every month now. And I appreciate those that have reminded me to make sure we keep that on track because it's something that we're supposed to do. 
It's every time, every time that we celebrate the, or, or remember the communion, what we have done or what we're, reading, what we're doing is we're remembering what Jesus Christ did for us on that cross. But it's important that we, and the Bible says, in fact, that it's later here in this chapter, that every time we do it, we, sh- we do show the Lord's death till he come. It's a, it, is a, it is an evangelistic thing that we're able to share the, 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 the very gospel of Jesus Christ in the communion table. But if, we, but if we do it too much, or if we, or if we forget the, 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 the etiquette, it can become just a tradition like we do everything else. We get up, we sing our three songs, we sit down, we, we pray. If, we, if we're not careful, everything can just become a tradition of man. And when that happens, it loses its, its power. It loses its, its ability to encourage. It loses its, its ability to evangelize because, well, it's just what we do. And I don't ever want this, and I'm not saying that, that, that it's become that way in our church. I'm, saying that, I'm just saying we need to be careful that it does not become that way in our church. So let's take a look here at the, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 again. And I want to read verse 15 and 16. And we're we'll, we'll going get started in the message. Again, uh, the message is, where are your, where are your table manners? Verse, verse, sorry, verse 17. Now in this, let's start back at verse 15 and 16. It says, uh, uh, verse 17. Now in this that I declare unto you, I praise you not that you come together, not for the better, but for the worst. For first of all, when you come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. The first thing I want to notice is Paul here is trying to eliminate any kind of schism in the church. When we, when we talk about having uh, about coming back, coming together to remember and to take part in the Lord's Supper, uh, we're talking about something that a unified body is supposed to do. But a schism is it's a, it's a biblical word. Paul used it. It's a it, it, it's a, it's a division, something that's come apart and it has caused some kind of division amongst the members of that body. And 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 he says here that I have heard and I believe it to be true. He says I partly believe it that there is our division uh, divisions amongst the body. And sometimes those are are doctoral uh, doctoral uh, uh, professions, things that uh, certain. Uh, what I mean by that is somebody believes something. And so they make that their doctrine, right? Uh, growing up, I heard a lot about those kind of things. Uh, I've heard about people who preached about, about those who wore certain colored shirts. I've, uh, there's just some of the stupidest things that people have stood on saying their doctrine. You know what the Bible talks about doctrine? The truths of the word of God. It doesn't, doesn't matter about it, these, these other areas that we put importance on. What, what matters is the word of God. Salvation, that's a doctrine. By faith alone in Jesus Christ that's it. Nothing else. Anything else to that? That's a different gospel or a false doctrine. But whether or not somebody should come to church dressed in a specific way, while we may have our convictions and how we should do that, we need to be very careful that we don't make that doctrine. Because you go over to, listen, I'm all for wearing a shirt and tie and suit. I'm not wearing a suit today. There's nothing wrong with that. I want, to do, I want to do my best. But if, if I want to hold that as the doctrine of the word of God and I go over to, let's say, Africa and I start, and I show up and, I, and you know, who are you and why are you wearing that? 
because it's different for them. And it's different culture. And so for that, that's, that's culture. And I'm not saying we shouldn't wear our best for the Lord Jesus Christ. That's my, that's my conviction. But I'm not going to stand up here and say that if you come to church in anything but a suit and tie, then you're out of the will of God and you need to be up here asking God for forgiveness. Not everybody can afford that. I can barely afford that. So, so I'm not ever going to teach that as doctrine. That's not doctrine. That's preference. So, so, but, but back in those days, there were, there were certain things that were being taught as doctrine. It was causing division. Now, doctrine does cause division. Don't, don't, don't misunderstand me. Because uh, when we say that Jesus Christ, uh, that we're saved by Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone, there are others that say that you can be saved by good works. Guess what? We have now divided ourselves from them. We are not them. We do not teach the same doctrine. That's division. But doctrine also brings us together. And it brings unity to a body of believers. So, and so and we can come together and we can be unified in our doctrine and we can be unified in those, those truths of the word of God that, that bring us together, but we must be very careful that we don't allow any schism or any division come. In fact, some of the doctrine you see here, it says, that, look back, I said verse 15, jump up a little bit higher. It says in verse 11, so nevertheless, neither is the man without the woman, neither the woman without the man in the Lord. For as the woman is of the man, even so is the man also by the woman, but all things of God. Judge in yourself, is, is the comely of the woman pray unto the God uncovered? Doth not even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, it is shameful unto him? But if a woman have long hair, it is glory for her, and her hair is for, for a covering. And so here we're talking about women covering for praying and others. And there is gray area here. Because the next verse says, But if any man seem to be contentious, we have no such custom, neither the churches of God. He said, listen, whether you do it or you don't do it, we don't really have a custom here. Feel free to cover your head when you pray. Don't cover your head when you pray. But let's not dare, tear each other apart over the whole thing. And when we're going to come together for the Lord's Supper, we need to make sure that we're not allowing these divisions to become a part of and damage our church. Because God desires unity amongst the body of believers. So there's doctrinal uh, division or doc doctrinal preferences that cause division. There's also discriminating pride. Look at verse 19. For there must be also uh, heresies among you, that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. Which, when ye come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. Now, we know the word heresy as in false teaching. But if you look at the Greek word, it means it's just another word for division. It's, it's saying there, 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 are, there are cliques. Ever heard of a clique? If you went to high school, to public high school, or, or you, there were cliques. You had the jocks, you had the, the science nerds, you had the, the, you had the choir geeks, or the band geeks, right, Marge? You've seen them. She's been teaching in high school for years. There are cliques, uh, groups of people. Guess what? Uh, that can be, uh, people just like sometimes like to hang out among people that they're like. But the problem with most of those cliques are what begins to happen when you get this group of people over here and this group of people over here. Instead of just existing together, they begin to be divisions and problems. And listen, some people like music in here and some people don't like music. But should that allow us, or should we then be different or apart from each other because of that? No. Some people like L.L. Bean and some people hate L.L. Bean. I'm a brother choice said, I like it. I think he likes it. Does it matter? No. 
So we need to be careful that we don't allow cliques and divisions. Uh, in the book, beginning of the book of 1 Corinthians, he said uh, that in the same book, he told the church, some of you say you're of Paul, and some are of Apollos, and others of this. And other. Listen, stop joining up with your camps and groups of people because we're all of Christ. And then the truth is, as children of God, those, those other things don't really matter. We're united in the Spirit of God. We need to be careful that we don't allow these d- divisions. Uh, Paul's desire was to eliminate schism. Because what happens when you get a large group of people together? We just celebrated Thanksgiving. Now I know it was different than most Thanksgivings. But uh, we just got families getting together and so on and so forth. What, what is a danger of that sometimes? Anybody? When you get large groups of people together that believe different things, fights. What are, you, what, are you, what are you not supposed to talk about around the Thanksgiving table? Politics and religion, right? And so, because then that's it's 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 ingrained in us to fight over those things. That's our human. Notice our human nature. But I've been given a new nature. And listen, whether my blood is the same blood that runs through your veins, our parents are connected. We are washed in the same blood. If you're saved, we're under the blood. And we're unified by the one spirit that dwells within us. One God, one spirit. There should be unity. So Paul's desire would be to, to eliminate the schism within the body. He says, for, that, for there must also be heresies among you, Divisions that, that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. Saying there, there are some that are, that are approved and put up, and then others aren't. So Paul says, if you're going to do that, that's not taking the Lord's Supper. We need to be very careful in our church that we don't allow division to come into our church. Division of any kind. Because the truth... And they'll say, well, what does that mean? I, I don't have to like everybody here. No, you have to love everybody here. It's a whole lot harder to love somebody than it is to like them. And we're, like, we're not just like some people here. We're like everybody here. And love, as far as I'm concerned, doesn't mean I spend time with them all the time. It doesn't mean I invite them over to my house for dinner. Though that's, that, that's good if they need it, if, they, if they're hungry. The Bible says if we don't feed them, how, where does the love of God dwell, dwell in that? But as far as I can say, the love of Christ, the mind of Christ, is one of humility and submissiveness. And I am to look after your needs and your, the, the things that you need in your life more than I look after the, the needs in, in my own life. That's the example that we're to follow. Continuing on here, verse 21, Paul describes another problem that they were, that they were having. Verse 20 says, When ye come together therefore into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, every one taketh before, before other his own supper. And one is hungry, and another is drunken. What have you not houses to eat and drink in? Or despise you the church of God, and shame them that have not? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. What was their problem? Well, some people were coming, they, 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 were, they weren't, before they would have the Lord's Supper, back in these days, they would have uh, a, a communal supper. And we used to have lunch here on the grounds. We'd eat together. Was one of the things we were trying to do was, was we would eat together so that we could fellowship together, so that we could, we could, we could grow in that, in that, 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 that fellowship and, and relationship as a, as, as a church uh, together. Uh, 
and what some people were doing was instead of, instead of uh, they, would, they would come to the Lord's Supper and they would take so much. They don't, they don't do it the way we do it today. They, they would take too much of the bread. So they'd have some or too much and somebody wouldn't have enough. They would, they would drink wine. The Bible says they would, they would get, become drunken. And, and others would, would have nine. He says, do you not have houses to eat and drink in? And do you not have food? You're, you're despising those that, that have little. Listen, in practice, we can't do this because there are pre-packaged packets of styrofoam and, and, and whatever kind of juice that is. The grape, I believe it's supposed to be grape juice. You can have a hundred of those packets and not have a meal. It's, it's, it's not the same thing in practice. But in principle... If we come in with selfish actions and selfish desires and trying to, uh, me first instead of you, that's the same principle that they, were, that, they were, that they were living in in those days. And that is not taking of the Lord's Supper. We need to be very careful that we don't have the, that we, that we embrace the seriousness of, uh, of what this Lord's Supper is. It isn't just a lunch table where you're pushed to the first. I want to be first. I want to go first because I'm more important than everybody else. We shouldn't treat each other like this. What did you say? The last shall be first. I'm just going to back off and, and let everybody else go, and I'll take. I'll get if there's anything left. That's when. That's when I'll take part of this. Now I'm not saying we don't have enough to sh- to go around, but it's it's the spirit of the matter, and we need to be very careful that again that we embrace the seriousness of, of the Lord's Supper because it it is something serious that we're that we're talking about. It's uh, uh, the Bible says that some, having done it unworthily, died in the old t- in the New Testament time. Uh, uh, we need to be very careful that we understand what it is that we're doing and what it is that we're celebrating. It isn't just a, a wafer and a drink and, and we're all done and off on our way. This is something that we need to take our time and meditate and think upon what it is that this that this this uh, this I say I'd say bread, but it's not bread. This this uh, these wafers, what they stand for, what this blood stands for, because that's in doing that. That's when we show the Lord's death till He comes. That's when we truly celebrate. So we need, need to be careful of secular actions and and and, and trying to to take to take our to do our own thing first. Uh, again, that we see here, it says they, they, some some people they look down upon verse. Verse 20 says, when you come together, therefore, in one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper, for in eating every one taketh before, before other his own supper. One is hungry, another is drunken. That is not, this is not how this is to be treated. This is a ceremony, a, a sacred ceremony in, 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 that we are to, in doing, we, we remember and we celebrate Christ's death, his broken body, and the blood that he shed for us. Now, Paul admonishes them. He says, what, don't you have houses to eat and drink in or despise you the church of God and shame them that have not, those, that, those, those, those poor that are among you that, that can't? Uh, yeah, we, we need to be careful again in, 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 in the spirit in which we come and celebrate the Lord's Supper. I say celebrate because it is something to celebrate. We need to be careful of our spirit and the thoughts and our hearts. So when we take the Lord's Supper, we don't look at somebody down well, why are they taking the Lord's Supper? I know they shouldn't be taking the Lord's Supper. The Bible says examine your own self. Now, whether or not they should or not, it's not between you and them. It's between them and God. But that proud thought, that proud heart, that tells me right there that you should have examined yourself first. 
the, uh, looking down upon those that maybe not be dressed uh, the same way. Uh, listen, we know that the, the Bible, we'll talk about it here in a minute, that we need to make sure that, we are, that we're worthy of taking it, and we're not worthy in and of ourselves. We're worthy only because of the forgiveness and the righteousness of Christ. But, but uh, we need to make sure there's no sin amongst us, but we, it's not, I'm not the judge and you're not the judge. God's the judge. Paul admonishes them. He said, should I, should I praise you in this? I praise you not. So Paul eliminated the schism. He embraced the seriousness of it all. And then the whole purpose of this is to exalt our Savior. Notice the, the somber blessing. He says, for I received the Lord that which I also, also I delivered unto you that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he blessed it. Notice he blessed it. He prayed over it. We, we kind of do, do things. We've done it differently a couple different times. And there is no set way that, 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 that this has to be done. Typically, we have uh, one of the, we have the deacons pass it out, and uh, we have one of the deacons pray before we partake of the the, the bread. Then we have the other deacon pray. And there's no set, there's no written law. There's although this is an ordinance, a law of God that we didn't do this. There's no prescribed way in which we must do this. But what I do see in this is that somebody prayed. Now, I appreciate that Brother Troy and Brother Rich or Brother, Brother, Brother James, one of them will pray when we break the bread uh, before we partake of it. But, but beyond their praying for it, the question is, are you praying over it? Are you blessing it? Are you thanking God for what he did for you? It isn't, the whole purpose of celebrating it isn't just so that you be a part of the celebration, you, you be there by being there. It's you being there by participating. Just because we don't ask you to pray doesn't mean you don't have to pray. In fact, I would rather we all pray and thank God for the, for, for, for the brokenness of his body, for, the, for the, the, the shedding of his blood as we look and think about what that meant for us. So we, we see that in the example here that there was a somber blessing, then uh, the, the brokenness of the body. Think about that. His body was broken for you. Broken for you. We just celebrated Christmas and think of that, 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 that little baby and the, the, and the power and the, of, of the fullness of the Godhead all wrapped up in that little baby's body. I, it just boggles my mind. I, I, I can't, I comprehend it, but I don't comprehend it, if you know what I mean. It's, I, 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 I believe it by faith. Just, it, it blows my mind that the creator of all the universe was wrapped up in that little baby's body. But that little baby grew up and didn't stay in that manger forever. Praise the Lord, I'm so thankful for that. He didn't just get stuck on some throne somewhere, which, which was what the Israelites were looking for, but instead he died for the sins of the whole world. And we talked about the brokenness of his body. Think about this, Jesus just, just hours before he was to be crucified, broke the, that bread and said, this is my body, which was broken for you. He said it was broken, it hadn't been broken, but he knew it would be broken. In fact, it had been broken, it just in eternity past. Because that lamb had already been slain in eternity past. Broken for you. Every scar, every, every, every rip of that, uh, of that, that whip, every, every uh, punch, blow to the face or to the body that he took, 
he took for you. And listen, it's easy to talk about because we're not seeing it. But if, you ever, if you've ever seen somebody beaten so brutally, it's hard to watch. Absolutely hard to watch. If you've seen the, uh, the, the Passion of the Christ, that was hard to watch and probably one of the most vivid depictions of the crucifixion I've ever seen. Uh, very difficult to lay your eyes on and sit there and watch and know that that's a depiction of what they did to Jesus Christ. He says his body was broken for you. He said, that's my body. And then he took the cup and he said, this is my blood. And we know this. And I'm not, I'm not, we're, we don't believe in transubstantiation here. We don't believe that it's his, it became his literal body. We don't believe that that's his literal blood. That's cannibalism. And the Bible teaches not to drink the blood or, to, or not to do those things. But it's a, it's a symbol of the blood that he was going to shed for you. That same blood that was going to be the, the, the payment for our sin. That's that, that blood that, would, that he would shed that would run, run in rivulets down his face and his body that he pierced the side. Would come. Listen, that was the blood that was laid upon the altar. If you look at the Old Testament, they, they, they talk about how they come in and they would, they would throw the, the blood onto the altar. That is what Christ did for us once and for all, never to be, have to be done, uh, done again. And the, and the beautiful depiction of our salvation through Jesus Christ as, as our high priest and our sacrifice. I thank God for what he did, but when he says, this is my blood, that's what it did. That he shed, it shed for us, and, and through that shedding of his blood, we could be purchased. We could be redeemed. We were in bondage. We were dead in, in, our, in our sins, and we were, we, were, we, were, we were dead spiritually while physically walking and talking Spiritually, we were dead, but because of the blood, we have life. Because of what Christ did for us, we have life. He took our sins upon him on the cross. So when we, when we partake of the Lord's Supper, remember, this isn't something, it's not a, it's not a joke, it's not a time to be on our, uh, on our iPhones or for the kids to be snickering around and laughing and, and joking around. We're, we're, we're talking about something serious, as serious as life and death. And it was his life and his death. Because he died, we have life. Because he rose again, we have hope. That's what the celebration of the Lord's Supper is for us. The problem that the church had there in 1 Corinthians is they, it became more of a tradition. It was, they, they, they got too used to those, the, those feasts that they were having and, and, and they, 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 they lost how important and how, just how somber this was supposed to be. I can't imagine what it would have been like to sit there with Jesus when he broke that bread. I can't imagine what it would be like with Paul, but with Jesus where he said, this is my body. And yes, I know that today it's almost a, it's uh, the, the, what we have to what we have to do as far as as, as keeping things prepackaged and things. It, it, it's almost a, it almost seems like a joke when we look at that and say this isn't bread, but it's what it symbolizes. It's what it symbolizes. It's a form of unleavened bread. The reason it's unleavened is because Christ, because leaven in the Bible is a type of sin. And the Bible says that Christ was sinless. And when they broke that bread that night, when Jesus said, this is my body, he broke unleavened bread that they were having at Passover. Listen, he died for us sinlessly so we didn't have to. So as we come tonight, this afternoon, 
to partake in the Lord's Supper. First, as Paul told the, the church here in Corinthians, verse 27, Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup, the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Listen, we're unworthy if we're coming in here with the wrong spirit. If this is just a tradition to us, if this is just a, 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 what we do because we're supposed to do it because it's the last Sunday of the month, then it's not the time to take the Lord's Supper. I can guarantee you when Jesus broke that bread, the disciples weren't laughing and joking around. This is a serious thing. So serious that those that did take it unworthily, it says in verse Verse uh, 29, for he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, and not discerning the Lord's body. Verse 30 says that some are weak and sickly, and many sleep. That's how serious this is to God. It's how serious it should be to us. And think about it, this is the, the last Sunday of the month, and the last Sunday of the year, and how fitting to, that with 2020, to, as we, we talked about this morning, just rejoicing in all that God has done this year, as hard of a year as it was forever, for all of us, how fitting is it just to remember the victory that we have in Jesus Christ through the broken body and the shed blood of Christ as we partake of the Lord's Supper. But let's not do it just because it's the last Sunday of the month that we're supposed to. Let's not do it flippantly. Let's not do it uh, uh, carelessly. Uh, uh, with, uh, let's make sure that we take some time, as Paul said in the previous verse, to examine ourselves. So at the end of the message here, we're going to take a few minutes. We're going to pray. There's not going to be any singing. Uh, uh, Marge, did you decide to play? Or, or Marge is going to play and, and uh, play, play some music. And we're just going to take some time to pray and just kind of get our, our, our heads in the mindset of worship and thankfulness and, and just humility as we come before the Lord Jesus Christ, thanking him for what he did. And then as we partake of the Lord's Supper, make sure that we do it with serious hearts. Thinking about how important it is that Jesus died, broke, that his body was broken, and how he willingly gave his body that sacrifice. Let's make sure that there's no division amongst us. There's nothing that divides one group from another. That we aren't multiple groups together. We're not multiple cliques. Uh, we're, uh, we're, we're not in schisms. We're, we're one body united in the spirit of Christ. Make sure that, that, we, that we look at the seriousness of this and, and make sure that we're not looking down upon one another or judging one another on who's to take it and who's not to take it. Uh, we practice here close. We practice uh, semi it's, it's We preach open, practice closed. What I mean is if... Uh, Open communion is when they allow anybody to come and take it. But because of the seriousness of it, we want to be very careful. And, and if you're not a member of our church, if you're, uh, we do not want you to drink or eat damnation unto yourself. So understand this. We want to be careful. So we preach open because the Bible, uh, because, uh, well, it's, Christ died for everyone. But we want to make sure we don't want to be responsible for someone who doesn't understand and would eat or drink unto themselves damnation according to the word of God. So be very careful. Be, make sure we understand as we, as, we, as, we, as we partake in this. 
And in doing all this, prayerfully, it will exalt our Savior, Jesus Christ. Ask Marge, come and let's just take a few minutes to pray, to get our heads right, examine ourselves, make sure that there's nothing in, in our lives that we need to repent of, any sin that we may not even have thought of. The Bible says, search my heart, O God. Ask him to show you. He will. If there's something that you know that needs to be dealt with, then deal with it. If you can't deal with it now, and it's not possible, then I, I, I personally would wait until I could deal with it. But if you can deal with it, do that. But let's make sure we take some time to examine our hearts before the Lord, that we might uh, come to him worthy, ready to celebrate his death. Mm-hmm.